Illinois Christian Senate. Are you ready to worship the Lord today? Oh, come on, you can do a little bit better than that. How many of you have victory this morning? All right. Here we go. I hunt rejoicing, breaking silence. You are my God alone. Time to stand on your word with passion. Heaven's our home. Oh, and I can't stop giving you praise. Your fame will last forever. And I won't stop giving your name. Declaring your praise. You're my victory. Reason why I sing everything I need. There's no other name that deserves our praise. Your My life's transformed in your holy presence, given to your call alone. I live in buried, I live in freedom, my God has won. Oh, I can't stop giving to you praise. Your fame will last forever, and I won't stop living your name.
Why don't you wave at somebody around you this morning?
says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. And Psalm 13, 5 and 6 says, But I trust in your faithful love. My heart is filled with joy because you will save me. I will sing praise to the Lord. He has been so good to me. Aren't you glad for that this morning? Hallelujah. For I spoke a word you were singing over me. And you have been so, so good to me. Yes, you have. Thank you, Lord. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind. Now 
thank you, Lord. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. And you have been so, so kind to me. unconditionally and you made a way for us we thank you this morning for that in the name of Jesus everybody said amen amen aren't you glad for the never-ending love of God sought for us he bought us Praise God and redeemed our lives. Well, once again, welcome to Joy. We're glad that you're here this morning. Why don't you turn and smile at somebody, kind of nod at them or point at them or do something to let them know that they know that let them know that you know that they're there. I think that's what I'm trying to say. And then you may be seated. God bless you, Joy. Hallelujah. 
Before I turn the service over to Pastor John and a couple, or Pastor Tim and a couple of other things, you guys can be seated if you would like. Oh, praise God. Hey, I just wanted a couple of things real quick. Uh, on Tuesday of this week, July 14th, that was actually our 29th anniversary as Joy Christian Center. And uh, wow, that surprised me. It kind of snuck up on me like, uh, you know, like old people that forget about birthdays and anniversaries and stuff. So I, you know what that means is that we're old. And, uh, but we appreciate each one of you that calls this your home church. And uh, that's just a blessing to have longevity of ministry for myself as a pastor and, and our wonderful staff and all of you. Thank you so much for making Joy a great church. Yeah, give yourselves a great big hand this morning. Praise God. You guys are a great church. And uh, I just wanted to mention a couple of things really, really quickly. And I, I uh, you know, uh, boy, we are trying to navigate as best we can this whole, you know, everything that's been going on since March, you know, with the pandemic and and uh, all of the COVID-related things, and trying to do our best to honor everybody within our congregation, honor you know the, those that are in authority, and all of those other things. So thank you for your patience as we try to navigate some uncharted waters. Um, you know, for those of you that are using the RSVP system, thank you for doing that. I just want to remind you, we can seat about 250 people in here, and then we have 50 uh, overflow in the kids' connection room. I know, or the elementary room now. And I know that sometimes people say, well, why do I need to RSVP? And others of you are like, you know, they're going to let me in anyway, and so I'm not going to bother with it. And others are like, you know, it's some other reason that we're asking you to do this. Really, it's just for our benefit so that we can kind of get an idea of how many we're going to have here uh, on a Sunday. And it might not seem like it matters a lot, but it hasn't been an issue yet for us. But eventually, we will be going back to children's ministry. Praise God. We love our kids. Enjoying doing the what's up with you guys, but uh, uh, eventually we're going to go back to children's ministry, and when we do, we lose the overflow room, and there's a pretty good chance there's going to be more families with kids that are coming, so it will matter then, and so please help us out on a couple of things. We need you to RSVP. Uh, if, if something, and we know things come up, please, you know, if, if you know you're not going to be here on a Sunday, again, I know things happen, and, and, you know, life happens. We get it. We understand that, but if you know you're not going to be here, could you please let us know that uh, every week there's a, there's a fairly large number that have RSVP'd that don't show up, and, and that just kind of can cause some confusion if we're not careful. Again, right now in the middle of July, it doesn't matter as much perhaps, but one day it is going to matter, and so I want to thank you for that, and uh, bear with us while we navigate all of these things, and, uh, and, and let's walk in love, amen? So let's walk in love. You know, Jesus gave us three things in the book of John. I'm, this is not my sermon. Amen. Crying because it's not my sermon yet. I love it. I love kids. <laughs> Where's Grandpa Bold? How come he's not coming up here? Um, you know, in John, in the book of John, uh, Jesus recorded a prayer. He said, Father, that they may be one even as we also are one, that they may be one in us, that the world may know that you have sent me. You and I have a purpose. We have a, a commission, do we not? We, we, have, we have a job, and that job is to let people know that God is good and that God is love and that in his love he sent a son. And he said that it's by our loving one another that that purpose is going to be accomplished. 
When we love one another, that purpose gets accomplished. And so I want us all to make a decision. Nothing is going to divide us. How many of you know that, that we live in a day, man, it is so easy to get divided. It is so easy to have sides. Amen? And we think God's on our side because we're right and everybody else is wrong. And God says, I don't want to be on your side. I want you to be on my side, and that side's love. Amen? And so praise God. Thank you so much for helping us out in that. And we have you know, that command to love one another as, as Jesus did, and that's what we're going to do here at Joy, and we're going to have fun doing it. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you. Pastor Tim, would you please come this morning? Hey there, everyone. I'm Little Miss Bold. At least that's what my grandpa Bold keeps on calling me. Today we've got a new What's Up. This is the sixth What's Up that we have learned. Does anybody think that they can name them all? No? Well, I sure can. Ready? When I praise, God makes a way. I've got the life of God in me. And I'm a new creation. And I can think like God thinks. And last week, we learned that God takes care of me. And this week, we're learning about how the grace of God isn't fair. And that's a good thing. So anytime today when you see my face pop up on the screen like what's this, up? or somebody asks you what's up, you tell them that God is good to me. Will you all say that with me? God is good to me. Woo-wee. When you got that in your heart, man, you begin to live it out and your life would definitely change. So remember, Anytime today when you see my face pop up on the screen just like this, What's up? or anytime when somebody asks you what is up, you tell them that God is good to me. I'm Little Miss Bold, and with Jesus in my heart, I can be very bold. She can be very bold, literally. She can be very bold. Listen, as we, uh, as we think on giving this morning, I, I pull a verse out of uh, Psalm 106.1. And it says this, is praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, because he is good. His faithful love will last forever. You know, if you, if you read Psalm 106, it's kind of an interesting psalm because it's almost like a, a confession of a nation. Uh, David, this is one of David's psalms, and he talks about the people and kind of some of the things in Egypt and the wilderness and in the Canaan. But, but through it all, God was faithful in his love. He cares for his children. And I thought it was interesting, too, that uh, this particular psalm, it begins with praise the Lord. And it ends with praise the Lord. Through all they went through, God can be praised through everything that we too go through. So as you have your gifts in the hand, home, wherever you're looking at, as you're thinking about sending in your office, whatever it might be, let's thank God for being so good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to give, regardless of whether it's today or whether it's in the mail or whether it's going to be done online. Lord, we thank you because we know you're good and you are faithful and your love will last forever. So once again, we honor you with our gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, make you aware of a few announcements here. One, small group development plans, those need to go to Paula Fleming, and they're supposed to be in today. So make sure if you got one of those sheets, you get those filled out. If you're interested in doing a small group and you didn't get one, then talk to one of the folks with the lanyard, and they'll help you get the, the appropriate papers and things that you need uh, to do so. We're going to have some great small groups coming up in fall, no doubt, and you want to be a part of those. And then we're doing something new this summer, too, that it's called Joy Kids Summer Blast, and we're kind of in the middle of it. 
but, uh, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. In the middle, you can get in. If Joy Christian Center, it doesn't matter if you get in at beginning, middle, or end. You can get in. And so we want to tell you about it. They took about 64 buckets of things to 130 kids going everywhere from Monticello to Rice and everywhere in between, and they're dropping them off for things that these kids can do this summer. Now, if you if you completed your mission you want to make sure that you get some emails coming to pastor staff let her know this and send some pictures of you doing them and you can send those to joykids uh, sstc at gmail.com and you want to do that because you're going to be registering to win for a family fund package as, as you do your missions and things that you're sending in so you'll be blessed for doing it we'll make sure they're going to announce the winner uh, at the end of the month and so uh, you'd like to have that if you'd like to be a winner on that get your things in you might be the very one to win it now you might be saying wait a minute our, our kids we, we didn't know anything about this we didn't get a bucket or anything that's okay you can uh, you can go to the joy section uh, of the of the website here at joy christian center or you can go to the youtube channel uh, and you can listen to the audio they had an audio drama that they did this past friday take and listen to that get a picture of yourself doing some things, your kids doing some things, get those things turned in, and then you can also jump in on the fun. I realize that's a lot to say. Just believe me. Go to the joy section of the website, and you'll find all you need and more, and you'll be blessed. And then last, we want to make mention of the joy ride coming up next Saturday, which would be July the 25th. If you've got a fun car or motorcycle and you'd like to meet and ride with those guys, they're going to be meeting here in the parking lot uh, at 10 o'clock. They're going to be go up in the, in the Mille Lacs area, and then they'll return around 3 o'clock or so. So go out with those guys. Have some great fellowship and a fun time. Whew. Done and done. God bless you. Here comes Pastor Brian with our word for today. Let's give him a hand. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, that was fun for me. I don't know about anybody else, but I kind of enjoyed leading worship. I hadn't done that in a long time, and I got blisters on my blisters that are on my blisters from playing the guitar. And, and uh, man, I used to do that all the time. Good gravy. How did I do that? I was young and dumb. Wow, I'm pooped already, I'm sweaty and everything else. And I was like, what the heck am I going to preach? <laughs> Matt was back there, he's like, man, you're going to have to, it's like shifting gears. I said, yeah, and I'm going to be grinding for a while, just <coughs> trying to find the message part of what it is. But we're actually <laughs> in uh, 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 week five of a series that we've been calling Not Normal. Look at the person next to you and say, he's not talking about you. <laughs> Actually, I kind of am talking about you because there is something in the body of Christ for followers of Christ that's just not normal. We're happy. We're not scared. We don't cower in fear. We've got the joy of the Lord on the inside of us, do we not? And so we're not normal. We're, we're just not normal. We, we uh, have the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that's made us free from the law of sin and death. So, so we're not hopeless. We're not in confusion. We're not in bondage. We have that freedom because we're not normal. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we've been using this scripture the last four weeks or five weeks, four weeks. And it says, you're still following the ways of the world. And how many of you know we, from time to time, we do that? Anyone? It's possible. Yeah, red lights. Uh, some of you are jealous. Some of you argue. So aren't you following the ways of the world? Well, that's just normal, isn't it? I mean, we, we get jealous. We, we argue with people. We don't like things that happen. And, and, and so it's just normal sometimes to give people a piece of my mind because they so desperately need my wisdom. Amen. You're welcome. <laughs> Got you pegged. <laughs> so aren't you following the ways of the world? No. <laughs> then he says this, and this is kind of the point of the whole series that we've been doing. Aren't you acting like ordinary human beings? 
That tells us a couple. It tells us a whole lot, to be totally honest with you. It, it, we could actually do a whole series, Ordinary Human Beings or something. Or, or not, uh, Well, we are doing a whole series. It's just calling it not normal. Anyway, <laughs> my whole point is simply this. There's something that God has done for us in what Jesus bought for us at Calvary's cross that causes us to not have to live like an ordinary human being. Praise God. We should be extraordinary. We shouldn't just live an ordinary life. We should be extraordinary in everything that we do, how we live, how we conduct ourselves, how we share our testimony. All of those things should be light and life bubbling out of the inside of us. And so we've been talking about several not normal things that are in the Bible. We talked about how it's not normal to be born twice. Yet Jesus went to Nicodemus and said, you need to be born again. You need to be born a second time. We also said that it's not normal to die twice. And yet the apostle Paul said that I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, yet I live, I'm alive. And the life that I live now in this flesh and blood body, I live it by the faith of the son of God who loved me and he gave his life for me. Pastor Tim talked about something last week, and I forget what you're not normal. Oh, it's not normal. It's not normal to have birds feed you. How many of you have bird, feed, bird feeders? A lot of you have bird feeders. That's normal. It's not normal. It's normal for you to go feed the birds, but it's not normal to have birds come and feeding you. And that, that shows the provision of God that God wants to provide for us even when it seems impossible, even when it seems like there is no way. That's not ordinary. That's not normal. And yet that's our God who is great and awesome powerful and wonderful. And what we've been discovering is that normal has to be defined on God's terms, not our terms. Normal has to be defined the way God defines normal. Because the way God defines normal is different than our normal. God is the one who said, love your enemies. Now, you know, that's not normal. But it is normal in the kingdom of God. It's normal in the kingdom of God. It is normal for the follower of Christ to love people that don't deserve to be loved or have made you angry and ticked you off. It's a good word for today. In fact, for a lot of us, what we call normal is something that God calls broken. It's something that God says, I want to fix it in humanity. I want to make it different. And I've given you a new life. You were born a second time, and you've died to who you used to be so that that new life can bubble out of you, that new life can percolate out from the inside. And so my goal many times as a pastor is to try to help you see differently. You don't have to be normal. In fact, we need some abnormal Christians. Not business as usual. We're going to come and sit on our blessed assurances and take up space and, you know, and, and instead of, well, anyway. So I was talking to Pastor Tim this week. Here's kind of my big idea, a little bit of my big idea. The kingdom of God is just not normal. The kingdom of God is just not normal. Pastor Tim, were you in North Carolina or South North Carolina? Yeah. So Pastor Tim, you had some land at one time, right? Yep. And so Pastor Tim, he, he, how many acres did you have or how much? Well, which time? <laughs> Whichever one sounds the best. But, but, okay. So several acres, three acres, did you say? Or 300? 
<laughs> three acres, three acres, and he was going to clear out some land. He was cleaning some of the areas out, and he went and hired a couple of guys. He said, hey, I tell you what, man, I got this project. I got a couple of acres, just a lot of overgrown stuff, and I got to get it cleaned out. I'll give you each $100 if you come about 8 o'clock and, and work through the day. Probably about 5 o'clock, you should have it all cleaned up. And so he get these two guys that came out there, and he started cleaning. And after about three hours, Pastor Tim was looking. He said, oh, man, these guys need help. And uh, so he went out, found a couple more guys, and he said, hey, uh, um, you know, you, I'll pay you to, to, you know, help clean up this trash and the brush and everything else and get it, you know, uh, get it cleaned up. And at the end of the day, we'll settle up, we'll pay you. And, and so, you know, about three hours later, he's looking, and he's bringing him some water because Pastor Tim's a good guy like that. And he's bringing him some water and, and, and a little bit to eat, and it was about 3 o'clock. I was like, boy, these guys are not going to get this done. And so he went and found a couple more guys. And, uh, and he went out, and, and those guys helped. He said, hey, we'll, we'll settle up at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, he gets the guys that were there the, the shortest amount of time, and he walks over to them, and he, he has this big wad of cash that Teresa had given to him. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he has his big wad of cash, and he, he gives the guy that was only there for a couple hours 100 bucks, gives the other guy 100 bucks. And then the guys that came, you know, at noon, around noon, around noon o'clock, around noon, uh, he gave them each $100 too. And the guys that were there at 8 o'clock, they're like, man, I wonder how much we're going to get because we've been here the whole stinking day. We're gonna, this is going to be a good payday. And he gave them $100 too. And the guys at the beginning, they, they were kind of ticked off. They were mad about it. It's like, how come? We worked all day long out in the heat. We did way more than the person that was only here two hours. And, and they got the same amount. That's not, that's not fair, is it? I mean, how many of you, if you worked for eight hours in a hot sun and somebody else worked for an hour in the hot sun and you got paid the same amount, how many of you would be a little bit ticked off about that? How many of you be on Facebook right now? Man, I can't believe this player, whatever. This guy ripped me. I can't believe that Tim Lambert is this. Uh, now, now, now if, that, <laughs> if that story might sound familiar to you, it did not happen to Pastor Tim. <laughs> he said, thank you for those of you who maybe didn't hear that. That actually is a parable that Jesus taught. Jesus taught this parable. It's in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 1. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner, kind of like Pastor Tim. He went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard, and then it goes through the entire story. Now, the reason I, I'm not going to go through this whole thing, you can read it later. I'm not going to take the time necessarily to read this part of it, but here's, here's, here's kind of my point this morning for you this morning. It's not normal. The kingdom of God doesn't operate normally. It, it, it's not normal. And I, I kind of want to say it like this. The kingdom of heaven isn't fair. Let me say that again. The kingdom of heaven isn't fair. How many of you think that sounds a little bit odd? I mean, don't we all think that the epitome of fairness would be God? That the epitome of fairness would be Jesus? That the epitome of fairness would be you know, the Holy Spirit, that, that there would be a way that everything would be equal, that everything would be the same, that everything would be even. It would seem like fairness would emanate from the kingdom of God. And yet, if your sense of justice or your sense of rightness or your sense of, of what is fair and unfair uh, in the story was a little bit challenged, it's like, man, that's not fair. That's not right. Seems like those who work more should get more. Amen? Those who work more should get more. Now, if that's your reaction, then welcome to the kingdom of God. Because Jesus said that this is how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God is unfair. 
And so the kingdom of heaven isn't fair, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I said, that's a good thing. God is good to me. How many of you believe, whoa, how many of you believe that God's good to you? Now, that's the good church answer. And about half of you responded, churchy. <laughs> Amen. But let me just ask this question. Is God really good to us? Is he really, really, really good to us? We just sang about it. Is he really good to us? Listen to what Jesus said in, in uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 35. It says, love your enemies. Mentioned that earlier. That's not normal. Love your enemies and do good to them. If you have unexpected kindnesses happen this morning or this week, maybe this should be a sign to you. Maybe you're somebody's enemy. <laughs> Do good to them. Lend to them. Well, that's not normal. You know, the best person to lend money to is a, is, is a, a, a pessimist because they don't expect you to get paid back anyway. So anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Don't, uh, so again, do good to them, lend to them. Don't be concerned about the fact that they won't repay. Then your reward from where? Where? Where does your reward come from? It comes from heaven. So can I suggest to you this morning to number one, stop looking to this life. Stop looking to people to validate you, to reward you, to make you feel like something. Because your reward is not found in humans. Your reward is not necessarily found in this life. Your reward is found in Christ. Your reward is found in heavenly things. And Jesus says, if you don't act normal, then there's going to be a reward that will come from heaven. And then notice what he says. Your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as sons of God. In other words, your actions will be more like God than they will an ordinary human being. Church, this is possible. And it is so vital and it is so necessary in this day that we're living right now. We have to be representatives of, of the Most High. We have to live our lives accordingly. And notice again what he says, your reward will be very great and you will truly be acting as sons of God for, here's the clue, that you're acting like a child of God. He is kind to the unthankful and those who are just a little bit wicked. No. He said those who are very wicked. Those who are very wicked. God's kind to them. How many of you, does that challenge maybe things that you've grown up believing about God? That God's waiting for us to get us out of, for us to get out of line and whack us. And at the moment that we do something or say something or live or, or, or do something that's wrong, that God's going to curse us or God's going to damn us or God is going to do something that is going to bring harm into our life. And yet God says he is kind to those that are unthankful, that he is kind to those that are evil, terrible people. How many of you know that kind of violates our sense of right? But the kingdom of God's not fair. I said the kingdom of God is not fair, at least the way that we decide what fair really is. So is God good to me? To understand the goodness of God, the grace of God, the graciousness of God, we need to understand that that goodness starts with him, not with you. It starts with God and not you. It starts with what God has done, not what you have done. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, but God is so rich in, what's the underlined word? Mercy. 
mercy. God is rich in mercy. I mean, he's got, you think about somebody that's rich, they've got something that's overflowing. God is so rich in mercy, man, it's just overflowing. It's just pouring out. It's everywhere. God is rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, a couple weeks ago we talked about that, even though he was dead, we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Those three words, the mercy of God, the love of God, and the grace of God are all dependent upon his character, not dependent upon you. God's love is not dependent on you. It's dependent on God. The mercy of God is not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon God. The grace of God is not dependent upon you. It is dependent upon God, and that is his character. That is his nature. Love is who he is. He is gracious, the Bible tells us. He's slow to anger. He's slow to wrath. That's who our God is. And so just like we, how many of you know that fair has two sides to it? How many of you like fair when it works for us? Right? We, we like fair. I mean, none, none of us have, have, have ever complained, hey, that's no fair. I got the bigger piece. We've never gone, hey, that's not fair. I, didn't, I, I got the last piece. We're pretty quick to like, hey, that's not fair. They, they got more than I did. That's not right. That's not fair. See, we like fair. In fact, we don't even consider fairness when we get more than we deserve. In fact, we just figure we're that good. We call that answered prayer. <laughs> Whew, God loves me more than you. And so I was like, that's not fair. We're very selective about fair. And we're pretty selective about grace too. We like grace when it works on our behalf, don't we? We like grace when we need grace. When we've been wrong, when we've offended, or when we've said something, or when we've done something, when we've been embarrassed, we want people to be gracious towards us, don't we? But when somebody's wronged us, when somebody's been unkind to us, we kind of want them to pay a little bit. We want to make sure that other people find out how wrong they were and how terrible they were. And I know that I'm not perfect, but you don't know what they did. We want to make sure that people, because what we're really crying out for is justice. What we're really wanting is something to happen in the form of a penalty to the person that has wronged us. And so like fair has two sides, grace has two sides. And, and again, as followers of Christ, we love the grace that works in our behalf, but we're not so fond sometimes of the grace that would require something of us. Martin Luther King, I want to read this. Many times he would use the phrase, we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. He would, he would quote that often in many of his speeches, and it's found in the book of Amos chapter 5. A lot of people didn't know it's actually a Bible verse. And what he was referring to and what he was saying is that there are definitely times that justice is demanded, that justice is required, that justice has to be, that it has to be levied. There has to be some check and balance as it relates to the actions of people. And so justice is required, but he also, I believe, knew something else, that justice is limited Justice can only deal with the problem that's right in front of us. And that there needs to be another component to the justice, and it's that word righteousness. It's right standing with God. It is rightness of character and rightness of heart. If all you have is justice, then that problem, that action is going to be repeated over and over and over again. It isn't until righteousness begins to flow as a mighty river 
that lives will be transformed and that lives will be changed. Now, if, 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 if it was possible for God to have a problem, he doesn't have any problems. I'm just trying to phrase this in a way that perhaps you'll understand. If it was possible for God to have a problem, God had a problem with humanity. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden and humanity fell and, 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 and what we call the fall, sin entered in, separation from God, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but God's problem was how in his character, in his, his nature, he, he's full of love, he's full of mercy, he's full of grace, and he wants mercy for the human race, he wants grace for the human race because he loves the human race so much, but he also knew this, that justice was required. In the book of Romans, Paul said this in Romans chapter 3 and in Romans chapter 6, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many of you know that we all come short of the glory of God from time to time? We fall short. Well, (laughs) there's a payday. Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death. This is the great equalizer. We all fall short and death is the penalty. We all fall short, death is the penalty. And yet God wants to be gracious to us. God wants to be loving to us. He wants to be merciful to us. And so the demands of justice demanded a payment for the penalty. Now, almost every religious system that's out there, and you take the broad brush stroke of Christianity, however it's lived out, the tag that you put on it, Baptist, Pentecostal, Charismatic, uh, Lutheran, whatever it might be, in the grand scope of things, in, in most religions, even you, you, some of the Eastern religions, different ones, whether it's Hindu, Buddha, whatever it might be, in those religions, every one of them has some kind of a standard of what's right and wrong. And everyone also recognizes that you'll fall short of that standard of what's right and wrong. Because everyone has the kind of what do you do when happens, you know, what, what do you end up doing when you've fallen short of the standard? And pretty much all of them kind of get to the point where it's sort of like, there's a standard, you're going to fall short of it, hope you make it, good luck. Because you'll never know whether you've been good enough or bad enough. You'll never know. And you just kind of hope that the great balance of uh, the justice, the scales of justice in heaven are going to work in your, hope that I've done enough good things to outweigh the bad things, and maybe, maybe, you know, go back and forth. Take the golden rule, for instance, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How many of you heard that? Good way to live your life. It's impossible, but it's a good way to live your life. I shouldn't say it's impossible. It is possible. But how, how many of you would say that if, if, if Gordy over here, he's pretty righteous, or he's actually the righteousness of God in Christ, and he lives it out almost all the time. And so <laughs> if Gordy 100% of the time did unto others as he wanted people to do it, if he did that 100% of the time, regardless, how, many of you know, how many of you would believe Gordy would make it into heaven? Ooh, Gordy, you're, man, you're, you're lost, brother. <laughs> they don't know you, apparently. You see, we all have this idea that if we do unto others 100% of the time, but what about if we only do it 80% of the time? What if we do good only 80%? Or does the percentages change? Do I get extra credit if, I, if I'm doing good to the people that are really boogers, that just you don't like them at all? Or, or does the percentage, do I have to be gooder to other people if, 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 you know, if, if I'm doing good only to the people that I like and to my family, to my friends? You might think, well, that's a silly question. But it's not a silly question to those who are trying to behave themselves into the kingdom of heaven. Trying to be good enough to get into the kingdom of heaven. 
So what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Well, we move on is what we do. <laughs> Here's the thing. The truth is we don't really need religion to tell us how good we are, do we? Because we all know that we violate our own standards, don't we? There are times that we don't live up to what we wish we would live up to. If you've had to utter the words or should have uttered the words or thought about uttering the words, hey, I'm sorry, that tells us that we violated our own sense of right and wrong and that we're really not as good as we think we might be. What's up? Oh, man. Let's try that again. What's up? There you go. I like that one better. Good job. Good job. Here's the thing. We don't need religion to tell us that there's something going on on the inside of us that we can't do, we can't keep, and be the good people that we need to be. So Jesus came to fix that. Jesus came to take care of that. Jesus came to, re to reconcile that difficulty, that problem between grace, God's righteousness, and his mercy, and his love for us, and with justice with the law, the requirements, the demands of justice as well. We read these words in John chapter 1 and verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This kind of gets lost. We hear it a lot at, at Christmas and, you know, in December, the birth of Christ and all of those things. And yet this truth sometimes gets lost in the, in all of the stuff of Christmas. But it's really remarkable when you, when you really take the time to, to, Put a, a little bit of a different light on this. Let it, let it, the facet, the many facets of Christ just kind of, man, shine light a little bit differently. It said the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The moment that deity, the moment that God himself became a human being, that he took upon flesh and lived in this earth, he identified with humanity. He knows what it's like. We would use the word empathize, empathy. He, he, he understands what it's like to be in pain. He understands what it's like to be rejected. He understands what it's like to feel like nobody's understanding him, that nobody hears him. He knows what it's like at times to have to battle maybe that feeling of fatigue or loneliness or, or, or am I doing the right? He knows what it is like. Deity became flesh and in that flesh identified with us. And notice what John goes on to say, he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, full of grace, full of truth. And you think of all the words that John could have used to describe Jesus. We beheld his glory and he is the great provider, he is El Shaddai. We beheld his glory and he is our healer. We beheld his glory and we are, he is our protector. All of the words that he could have used, he used two very concise words to help us to understand. He is full of grace and truth. And his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Christ. If you've had an encounter with Jesus, you've had an encounter with truth and grace. If you've had an encounter with Christ, then you've had an encounter with truth and grace. You see, if, 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 if there is no truth, if there's no truth, then we're, we're, we're not going to understand what grace is. We're not going to understand the power of grace. Because what good is it for me to be forgiven or to, for you to tell me that I'm forgiven if I don't know what I'm forgiven of? 
or if I didn't even know I needed to be forgiven in the first place. And so we need the grace side of it, but we also need the truth side of it. But, but grace without truth is powerless. Truth without grace really kind of is just mean. A lot of people have been beaten up in the name of church and God and in religion because it's all law without grace. Jesus came to be 100% grace and 100% truth, and we can see his life. We can see in his ministry. If you want to know what grace and truth looks like, follow Jesus through the gospels. Follow Jesus and watch how he interacted with people. Watch how he ministered to people. Watch how he responded to people. Because that was mercy and grace, or truth and grace in action. He never went past people's sin. In fact, times he acknowledged people's sin, but it was always to bring grace. And so we can't lose sight of, of either one. And so in the, in the couple of minutes that I have here, I, I want to try to show you some examples of love, mercy, and grace. That is his character, God's nature, if you will, his graciousness and his mercy and his love. It's all, it, it, it's all wrapped up in that. You know, in the early church, read the book of Acts, and you know, powerful things happen. The church is united. They're united around purpose. They're united around, you know, Jesus the Savior, and they're all gung-ho, and everything's going great. We get to about Acts chapter 6, and the first fight happens in the church, and it's about food and different things like that, and, and really what was kind of happening is that the, the structure of ministry wasn't sufficient to, to really help to fulfill the demands of ministry. The church was growing. Things were expanding, and, and it needed to broaden, and so they started to uh, pick out some people. To, to stand in those positions of leadership. And in Acts chapter 6 and verse 5, it says, They chose Stephen, who was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Stephen was somebody that was known for his faith and his wisdom. Uh, religious leaders would try to debate him and talk to him. And I love verse 10. It says about, uh, about Stephen, They were not able to resist the wisdom and spirit by which he spoke. Stephen stood his ground in, uh, on the gospel. And, and, and at, in fact, if you read this, he was like calling the religious leaders. He's like, you guys are a bunch of hard-hearted people, and you, you're, you're just lost. You don't have a clue what you, doesn't sound very gracious or loving to me. And, 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 and while he was a hero to some people, some people were like, man, I'm getting kind of ticked off at this guy. He's, he's really kind of crashing our business. And, 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 and so we find that, that he becomes this person that ignites this dignified group of religious elites into a mob that calls for his death. And in the middle of that, they drag him out of the city and they literally just crush him with stones. And we read these words in Acts chapter 7 and verse 60. It says, he knelt down and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. That's not normal. But that's acting like the Son of God. Because that's exactly what Jesus said from the cross. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Pulled up a nice big rock and went to sleep. Entered his heavenly reward. Stephen became the first martyr of the church. Stephen lived an exemplary life. He was, a, he was a leader and he was somebody that people looked up to. And if you follow in this story, we find a second character whose name is Saul. Saul was one of the religious elites of the day. If there was anybody that was right, it was Saul. If there was anybody who could claim goodness, it would be Saul. Now, we understand later that Saul becomes the Apostle Paul. He has an encounter with Jesus. And it says in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, Saul approved of their killing him. Think about this. Saul said, you know what? Good job, guys. Good job. Way to take out that person. Man, that's, that's harsh, isn't it? 
Everybody's hey, good job, man. You killed him. That's awesome. Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Saul, be, Saul began to destroy the church. He thought he was doing God a favor. Saul thought that he was doing God a favor by trying to tear down and stop the message of Jesus Christ. He went from house to house, and he dragged off both men and women and put them into prison. And again, by every standard of Jewish goodness, Saul was a righteous man. But Saul had an encounter with Jesus. He had an encounter with grace and with truth. We read these words in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, notice this, I was shown what? I've shown mercy. I can't imagine the Apostle Paul as he has this encounter with Jesus. And grace is being minute. See, you can't get grace. Grace has to be received. And Paul, Paul had to let go of his past. He knew that he did not deserve that grace that was coming towards him. He knew that he deserved punishment. He said, man, I've received this mercy. I've received this mercy because I acted in ignorant ignorance and in unbelief. And Saul, Paul went on to become a great missionary, wrote most of the New Testament. And, and, and we know many of his exploits traveled thousands and thousands of miles. He too was later martyred in Rome. And we would think if anybody deserved to go to heaven, it would be Saul, or Paul, Saul, Paul. There's another story before those two. We find this guy's story in, in Luke chapter 23, and we would know him as the thief that was on the cross. And if you remember the story, there's Jesus crucified between two men. By the testimony of the Gospels and others, they were both criminals. They stood condemned. They had stood trial. One of them began to mock. One of them began to make fun. One of them began to, uh, you know, tell Jesus, hey, if you're really the son, are you really the son of God? Really? Really? You're the son of God? And you're dying the same way we're dying? And the man that we know as the thief on the cross said, why are you blaspheming? Why are you even in the, in fact, here in verse in verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. He said, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you're under the same sentence, we're punished, notice this, justly. We're getting what we deserve. We're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Now, if there was ever, ever, ever hope for these thieves on the cross or this one thief in particular... If there was ever hope for him, it was, it was for him to get something that he didn't deserve. It was for him to get something that he didn't have time to make right. It was, it was for him to get something that it, was, that it would be impossible for him to even grasp hold of. Then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Really? Really? At this point, at this time, right now? Right now, you want, you're asking me to forgive you? I mean, there's no opportunity for this guy. It's over for him. He can't go back and undo anything. He can't go back and do something right. He doesn't have the time to compile enough good works to get back into God's graces. If anyone would de deserve death, it would be this guy. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today that you're going to be with me in paradise. Let's not miss this point. Our religious training just sort of takes us beyond this. 
don't miss this point. Jesus, perfection personified. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus, God's Son. Jesus said, today, right now, right now, you're going to be with me. You're going to get the exact same reward that I get. You're going to get the exact same reward that the Apostle Paul gets. You're going to get the exact same reward that Stephen is going to get. You're going to get the exact same reward. Church, that's not fair. And that's a good thing. Because you and I, we'll never be good enough to do what we need to do because our response is we want to pay back. We want do-overs. We wish we could go back and undo. We wish we could go back and unsay. We wish we could go back and, and, and maybe do something different or, or we wish that somebody hadn't said or done something against us. We always want to go back. That's just the human default system that we want to step back and, and have a do-over. But God's different. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. To the throne of what? Grace. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we can obtain what? Mercy. <laughs> and find grace to help in our time of need. God loves you, church. He loves us. He's so merciful. He's full of grace and kindness and compassion. And not only is he in love with his church, his bride, and full of grace and compassion, he's in love with this world. He's in love with humanity. And he wants to be gracious, and he wants to be merciful, and he wants to display his great love that he lived out in, 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 in the, the plan of Christ, Calvary's cross. So do you need help this morning? available. Quit trying to go back. Come forward. Come to the throne. Would you bow your heads this morning? Our precious Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this morning. Lord, I thank you for this day that we've been able to be in your presence, the presence of the other believers. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you are so merciful. And that, Father, when we didn't deserve, when we never earned, when there was nothing good in us, you sent an answer. You sent Jesus to be the one who would pay the price, bring grace because he would fulfill the demands of justice. So, Father, I thank you that we all get in the same way. We get in by faith. And Father, I thank you that your kingdom isn't fair. It's gracious. If you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, or those of you that are online and watching uh, perhaps this morning, I want to ask you a question today. Have you been trying to behave yourself into the kingdom of heaven? Have you been trying to be good enough to get God's grace and God's mercy? Because that's a dead end road. The Bible says come. Come boldly. If you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life, those of you that are here and online, you can also access that. There's a, a way to click online and a button there to let people know of a decision that you make. We want to help you from this. But is there anybody here this morning who say, Pastor Brian, I, I, I'm ready to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Anyone at all? Just hold your hand up really high for just a second. I want to receive that grace and mercy. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are kind to those that are unthankful. I thank you that you are kind to those that are evil. And Father, we want to be your representatives. We want to be children of the Most High God. And so, Father, help us that we would be kind to those that are unthankful. Help us to be loving towards those that are evil so that we can, that we can show your grace, your mercy, and your love. We thank you for all those things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, God bless you, Joy Christian Center. What's up, church? Amen. Have a great Sunday. We will see you next week.